So the other day, I think I had COVID for like 20 minutes. But you know what I did? I fucking flexed on that bitch. I flexed on COVID. I fucking just yoked up. I, and I was like, I was like a Catholic priest. I'm like, get out of my body. Get out of my body. And it left. So there you go. Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about bitching about that sale you shot. Some son of a bitch don't want to buy land. Somebody don't want what you're selling. Some broad you're trying to screw so forth. Let's talk about something important. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray, and I'm here on a mission of mercy. Your name's Levine? Yeah. You call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch? I don't got to listen to this shit. You certainly don't, pal, because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you got all you got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight, starting with tonight's sits. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sale contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. You get the picture? You laughing now? You got leads. Mitch and Murray paid good money. Get their names to sell them. You can't close the leads you're given. You can't close shit. You are shit. Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it. Because you're going out. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. The fucking leads are weak? You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. You know why, mister? Because you drove a Honda to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. And your name is you're wanting. You can't play in a man's game. You can't close them. Then go home and tell your wife your troubles because only one thing counts in this life. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. You hear me, you fucking faggots? Now look here. A, always. B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A, I, D, A. Attention, interest, decision, action, attention. Do I have your attention? Interest? Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You close or you hit the bricks. Decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? And action. A, I, D, A. Get out there. You got the prospects coming in. You think they came in to get out of the rain? A guy don't walk on the lot unless he wants to buy. They're sitting there waiting to give you their money. Are you going to take it? Are you man enough to take it? What's the problem, pal? Your boss. You're such a hero. You're so rich. How come you come down here wasting your time with such a bunch of bums? You see this watch? You see this watch? Yeah. That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much How much you make? You see, pal, that's who I am. And you're nothing. Nice guy? I don't give a shit. Good father? Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. You want to work here? Close. You think this is abuse? You think this is abuse, you cocksucker? You can't take this? How can you take the abuse you get on a sit? If you don't like it, leave. I can go out there tonight. The materials you got make myself $15,000 tonight in two hours. Can you... Can you go and do likewise? A-I-D-A. Get mad, you son of a bitch. Get mad. You know, 
You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass balls to sell real estate. Go and do likewise, gents. The money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. You want to go out on those sits tonight and close? Close, it's yours. If not, you're going to be shining my shoes. And you know what? You'll be saying a bunch of losers sitting around a bar. Oh, yeah, I used to be a salesman. It's a tough racket. These are the new leads. These are the Glen Gary leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Why? Because to give them to you is just throwing them away. They're for closers. I'd wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. And to answer your question, pal, why am I here? I'm here because Mitch and Murray asked me to, they asked me for a favor. I said, the real favor, follow my advice and fire your fucking ass because a loser is a loser. That, of course, was the transcript from Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, the movie. Which is a uh, cult, cult, a... Uh, that particular scene is a cult masterpiece that's usually distributed amongst salesmen, particularly in the car business, uh, because of that kind of aggressiveness of the sales um, motives. You know, the whole fucker walk thing has a very it's 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 I'd have to say the most virulent, not viral and. But the most virulent, uh, as in as in virile, like pep talk, you know, aggressively testosterone-ish salesman pep talk that you probably could ever hear because of just its bravado and its fucking just, uh, you know, out of... The other instances in movies like Boiler Room with Ben Affleck giving the same kind of speech, or Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo giving that same kind of demented pep talk. Um, this is the clip, the Glengarry Glen Ross movie clip that a lot of salesmen sit around and circle jerk each other with. And it, it, it exists to a point. There is kind of this... Uh, profound uh profound macho kind of uh i don't know ignorance in always constantly just getting the sale and that's what it is i would say this in the movie uh well what's interesting is it's based on the play by david mamet who wrote the adapted screenplay for the movie. The movie didn't generate a whole lot of... The movie's kind of turned into a cult following. It's a very good movie, too. It takes place, it's, uh, I believe it's one night in... Um, supposedly in Chicago. And uh, raining. And it's the night offices of a real estate firm that are selling, they're selling bogus land somewhere in Florida, as does... As real estate people are supposed to do. And I'll tell you this, the aggression of that line, of that type of delivery, to my knowledge, doesn't exist in real estate. Because I'll tell you what, when we had real estate guys show up at the dealership for sales jobs, they got eaten alive. Uh, they didn't make it because it doesn't, it's not that aggressive. As, a, as far as I know in real estate, you don't, there isn't some kind of like, you're not stiff arming some guy, you're not 
you know, there's no fucker walk line. There's no, you know, maybe in the office, I doubt, but even then I doubt it. It's also bland, but the card business for sure. Um, I mean, I've seen some pretty gnarly shit. I've heard some pretty gnarly shit and that's closer to car sales than, uh, I'd like to admit it, but it, it makes it interesting. I'll tell you that. Um, <clears throat> but the interesting part about that clip is that that speech, that four or five minute speech by Alec Baldwin in the movie was not in the original screenplay or not in the original theatrical play, the actual play itself, which evidently the cast of the movie, which was a great cast, like Jack Lemon. I mean, Alec Ball, Alec Baldwin gave the fucking for four and a half, five minutes of of that was the only scene he was in coming in to set the tone for these real estate bums, these salesmen who they all, uh, they kind of deemed this production death of a fucking salesman because of the amount of, uh, profanity in it, you know, as opposed to the, uh, Eugene O'Neill classic death of a salesman, which is really more of a sad look at the life of a salesman. Um, which, has its <laughs> matter of fact there's a Simpsons character that was based it, it kind of developed from or, or around that kind of death of a salesman tone um his name is uh what it, what's his name in uh old Gil old Gil just gotta keep trying harder old Gil <laughs> it's so sad it's but it's kind of a, a takeoff on the Jack Lemon character in the movie Glenn Gary Glenn Ross go see the movie that's my pick and it's not the whacked out pick but it's a whacked out movie but it's also got Al Pacino. It's fucking Alec Baldwin giving the fucking hard-on performance of a lifetime. Then you got Jack Lemon, who's brilliant in it, just as the mo- just the saddest salesman you've ever seen. Then you got Al Pacino, who's the most savviest, and he plays the savviest, but he's got too much of an 80s haircut going on. It's kind of, I don't know, a little too much flock of seagulls going on there with old Al. Then <clears throat> you've got Kevin Spacey, the office manager, who, say what you want about him, he's a fucking, he's a, a mm, disgusting individual, but he's a great actor. Have you thrown out your R. Kelly records yet? But then you got Alan Arkin, fucking Alan Arkin. I mean, Jonathan Price. I mean, this is a fucking mammoth cast for a very small cult movie. But that part for Alec Baldwin was not in the uh, original theatrical play version, the play version that David Mamet wrote. So when he wrote the screenplay, I don't, I would assume he probably added that part. And it's just the, it's, it's the fucking testosterone fueled thing that I, I like. I can say I've I've been in meetings where they've played this clip, and the salesmen just get all hot and bothered with sweat and start fucking getting boners. So. Um, Speaking of which, it's my 69th episode. Yay. The yin and the yang. The up and the down. The in and the out. But happy 69th to me. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So, so that was a... Uh, it's, it's worth looking into. That's a great scene. Um, it's like training film. But... Um, the point is that, you know, coffee is for closers. 
You don't get shit done until you close the deal, right? So, so the other night I, I was saying I, I, I thought I had COVID for like 20 minutes, but I don't think I really did. I, that's a little bit of hyperbole. It's a little exaggeration. What it was was I think, I don't, well, I honestly don't know. I had the chills for a second, but I'll tell you this. My lady's bedroom is like, uh, she, she's one of those fan types. You know, she's got a fan blasting in there. It's like, you know, like the wind tunnel in a fucking Subaru factory. Or they're testing the aerodynamics of the new WRX. It's like going into one of those. So it was a little chilly, but so I had this kind of bout of chills real quick. And I think I had this, I don't know, that morning I'd done some kind of these reverse plank things. I don't, I'm just too old for that shit. I, I can't be doing these reverse plank bullshit fucking things that, uh, just recognize how old you are, brother, okay? Like, uh, take it easy. Take it in moderation. But um, I thought, nah, there's no way. There's no way. Although it would be cool. It would be cool if I, uh, you know, if I kind of had it because then I get those antibodies, the good antibodies. Like, like I got the vaccine, but fuck it, I want the antibodies too. I want both. I want it all. I want, I want immunity. I want to be bulletproof, man. Why not? I want to be super. Just I want to be a hybrided hybridization of uh, some kind of like toxic avenger type thing going on, you know, but. Um, but it's chilly. It was chilly the other night. It was cold. It's cold. It's cold right now. I finally see my breath this morning. It's, uh, it's colder. I'm, I was, uh, I've been, my, but my, my body was aching like Menachem Begin, the former Israeli prime minister. <laughs> no, let me take that back. It's colder than a well digger's ass, uh, this morning. Um, but the other night, yeah, it was fucking, I don't know what was going on, but it went away. So I had the shakes, gone in 20 minutes. I think it also could have been the McDonald's I ate that day, which I don't like to do that. But uh, if I did get the good antibodies from the COVID, that's a benefit. But if in reality, it was probably the damn McDonald's. Why do I eat McDonald's? For the, uh, the gut biome. Okay, there. I don't, I don't like the concept. I do crave it fortnightly. I'm sorry. But what happens, my system of thought on that, or just fast food in general, is I got to do it once every couple weeks because in the event, and hear me out on this, this is strange, but say you're going to, you're just that guy, you're just that fucking obnoxious guy talking about, oh, you should eat whole foods and whole grains, and I eat spinach every day, and I eat fucking uh, kombucha, and I got kombucha everywhere, blah, blah, blah. You need to eat some shit every now and then. It's like kids running around out there picking up dirt on the, you know, in the streets, and uh, you, you, you build that kind of immunity, but you also want to build your gut biome, because if you are one of those, you know, obnoxious hard-ons that... You know, eat nothing but grains and uh, zero sugar and, uh, you know, kind of like my boy TB12. I mean, dude, his diet's airtight. Let's let's be real. He's not sneaking through McDonald's drive through anytime. I'm, would, I would bet uh, a sizable amount of money that he doesn't go there. But 
getting to the point. I go there because I know at some point I'm going to be on a road trip somewhere with the kids or whoever, and they're going to want to go through some, you know, maybe in a pinch, maybe in a you know time-restricted fashion, you get to just eat because you're starving, you haven't eaten all day. You go through a drive-through, but you're on a road trip. You want your gut to hold up, man, because if you've been eating whole grains the whole time and you you drop a fucking bomb like that in your system, dude, you're fucked. You're going to be fucking pissing out your ass. You know that. I mean, let's be real. Do you really want to eradicate it from your life? Yeah. But but if you're out and you, you don't eat fast food and then in a pinch you have to eat something just to get by, just to kind of put some kind of fuel in your system... You're going to get diarrhea. <laughs> I mean, it just is what it is, okay? So that's that's my uh, method to, my, to that madness. It is good, though. Fuck it. Who am I to judge? So I'm trying to build this bulletproof system. And, uh, but also, okay, my other dilemma is this. So this 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 new damn car... I need an adapter. I need a 30-pin lighting adapter for my, uh, like, the plug-in. There's a built-in plug-in here, but it's from 2013. And uh, it's from it's from the past. And uh, so I go over to Best Buy, and we're living in a, we're living in a, a, what do you call that, a fucking simulation, dude. Um there's nothing on the shelves of Best Buy, or there is something, but if you go for the simplest things, like like an adapter, like a 30-pin lighting adapter for your phone, your charger, there's not going to be one there. And it dawned on me, like, because we got the supply chain crisis. Well, good job, capitalism. Nice knowing you. But it dawned on me that when I was down in... Uh, Long Beach, going to Catalina, man, you you go right through the cargo container ship thoroughfare. And when we took the ferry out of Long Beach Harbor to Catalina, at the time, there was about at least a dozen ships. Now, according to all reports, there's about 55 ships sitting on sitting out on the coast of Long Beach with my 30-pin lighting adapter sitting in there somewhere, and all the fucking inventory for Modesto Toyota, or Roseville Toyota, or who the fuck knows, you know? Roseville VW. Um, yeah, and uh, they'll be out there for a while. Uh, we're kind of screwed on that end. It's, it is bizarre. It's bizarre, but... The byproduct of that, unfortunately, is I charge the, so I have to charge my phone. I'm on the road most of the day and I have to charge the phone before I leave. So I get as much of a full charge as I can, but it limits me to basically one podcast a day. Like it used to be just all like music, podcast, you know, doing my damn French lessons and shit like that. Just burning through battery power now I've got to kind of take some stock into what how much power I got left so I I'm limited to one uh basically one good podcast two small ones or one good one my choice was my choice was 
One long one. Give me the long one. Episode 69. Yee, doggy. So I pull up. I hadn't, I hadn't listened to Rogan in a while. And I, I um, he has this guy on, Alex Berenson. Okay. And I'd seen this guy before. He came on, well, I want to say maybe last year, year, a year or two ago. And he's a journalist and uh, nonfiction book writer, um, kind of tackling kind of topical stuff related to kind of mental health, uh, you know, science studies, finding shit like that. Uh, back a year or two ago, he came on about the uh, the uh, flip side of kind of, you know, smoking marijuana and uh the dangers of it and and there 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 are i mean i i'm not going to sugarcoat it um it's like um it's like sales you either can do it or you can't um you know you have this you have this uh i don't know the the way your brain's wired is going to allow you to do it's either going to allow you to smoke weed or, or it won't there's i've had friends my 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 buddy John, he can't he he's had some episodes. Shouldn't be smoking weed. Um, maybe a uh, what do you call it? Is it a uh, what do you call it? A uh, comor? It's not a. It's kind of a uh, glitch in your system. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, dormant schizophrenia. Not him. Not my buddy. John. I don't know what was his deal, but. He's kind of flipped the fuck out, but, but if you're predisposed to something like schizophrenia or some kind of neurological, uh, situation, yeah, weed isn't the answer. Uh, so he comes on, what was it Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. And his whole, now his new book and I'm open. I'm just as open-minded as the next guy. And, uh, I'm not married to any of my ideas to be perfectly frank but he comes on and now the new book is about <clears throat> the efficacy of the vaccine and i had some hunches and i had some doubt uh, my own personal reservations because i i i rolled the dice and uh i said okay there's fucking that's been distributed 2.9 billion people there hasn't been a wide-ranging fallout of you know health issues cropping up um, even though I don't agree with vaccine mandates, this is the U.S., this is not Nazi Germany, and, um, but I rolled the, you know, I, I just weighed the benefits versus the risk, okay, and I will, t- and I'm not, and I'm not, by any means, this is not a show of support for Big Pharma, because that's what's happening too is they're fucking pushing the mandate on to the white house the white house is pushing the mandate on us they're being they're being pushed by you know their their daddies their poppies hey puppy and um like Pfizer had to pay out they had you know all those fucking you know there's two countries in the whole world out of a 100 and s- 270 countries or however many there are there's only two 
in the entire globe that are allowed to advertise pharmaceutical. Us and New Zealand for some reason. I don't know why. And all those, little, you know, do you have bad breath? Well, if you take my Prexol or my, my, my fuckwall or whatever the fuck it is, you might get rid of your bad breath. But may cause internal bleeding, eye bleeding. You may lose a foot. Your fucking head might fall off. So they paid a they paid out Pfizer paid out big like two like a big settlement like one point five or two point five billion on one of their products, so we're to trust them with the vaccine. Okay, great. Well, I'm not going to simplify it, but you know all it's basically doing is creating a replica of the virus goes in that once it's in your system creates a shock protein that ignites your antibodies. And thankfully it doesn't, I mean, there's been, um, there's been a little bit of concern about myocarditis, 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 I believe is what it's called, uh, which is just an enlargement in your, uh, heart valves, uh, for boys, what was it, 11 to 15 or 12 to 15, a real, real specific group. My son, he's vaccinated, but he's 16. But the data says that all the issues should crop up within the first 42 days. I don't know how they pinpoint it to that specific a number. But um, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen within a couple months. And so, knock on wood, my son got vaccinated You know, back in... God, I want to say six, five, six months ago. But other than that, there's been no issue. Now, the only lingering thing would be the uh, efficacy. How long does it last? How long does it stay in your system? Which is better, natural immunity or the vaccinated? They shouldn't, honestly, they shouldn't, because based on what they're finding, it it has a very short shelf life, like six to eight months. That's why they're pushing the booster. But... Because Pfizer's pushing the booster, or the big corporate pharma's pushing the booster onto the White House, who in turn is pushing it on us. Two of the scientists, two of the team that in, that are in part of the coordination for the rollout of the vaccine resigned because of that mere fact that um, you may like I'm I I probably won't take a booster. I don't need a booster. But if you have health concerns, if you're older, if you're vulnerable, I would, rec- I, based on what I'm hearing, you should get a booster. But this guy, Alex Berenson, is the biggest whiner. My notes say wiener. He's a bit of that too. But man, he's got that fucking just, ugh. He had to, he had to, he has this garble throated kind of take, like, he's just whining and whining about, well, Okay, because he got kicked off Twitter for saying shit like this, which is, it sucks. And I don't believe in, in censorship as well either. Even for this fucking whiner. God, he's such a, oh, he just whined when he was on talking about marijuana. Now he's whining, talking about the efficacy of the vaccine. I do, I do kind of follow suit with them, though. I think there is a shelf life. It's six to eight months. So, yeah, if you got it in when it first came out, whenever it was February or whatever, it's, it's waning. It's kind of dying out. 
But that's why I was hoping maybe I could get a little COVID. Hey, man, you want some COVID? Double up on them antibodies. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there is a limited uh, uh, efficacy. The vaccine is inefficient. It should be called more of a therapy. Okay. But when you talk about therapies, you talk now more about ivermectin and stuff like that, which is a hot topic. And everyone's grilling uh, Rogan about how he, you know, he was going to get vaccinated scheduling because of scheduling purposes. He didn't, he didn't, he missed his window and then he got the virus and he was out, but he treated it with ivermectin and he, uh, but also he does supplement like a motherfucker. This guy's fuck. He's like a, he's like a walking Petri dish, man. He's like a fucking, um, he's like a cyborg really now. And, um, so he, with help of, uh, monoclonal antibodies, which you can get ivermectin is, I believe it needs to be prescribed, but you know, this is something that won the Nobel prize. The, 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 the f- inventors of ivermectin won the Nobel prize. But so the funny part is, uh, so the next day, so CNN just fucking grills them on the, on the, they, you know, they kind of, it's in a, in a very defamatory way. They pick on him about the ivermectin. He doesn't give a fuck because he's going to sue him or he threatens to sue him. And then, and then, <laughs> so they backed up or whatever. It's not a, it's not even that big a deal anymore. But so the next day though, who does he have on the podcast? The one podcast I can listen to because I don't have a 30 pin lighting harness fucking adapter is Dr. Sanjay Gupta. The medical correspondent for CNN. <laughs> but you know what? That was a really enlightening conversation because I really like that guy, Sanjay Gupta. I've never listened to him. I've never really kind of, I thought he was maybe one of those kind of a pop psych, pop, pop psychologist, pop doctor, you know, like Dr. Phil or some bullshit. But he's legit. I mean, he looks like the Indian Ray Romano. He's really cool. And, uh, but all, by all accounts, he kind of, um, he did go back and forth. They had a really good, very, uh, adult conversation, um, without kind of over talking it. If I haven't already, you know, Rogan's whole take is like, children probably don't need it. Uh, and they probably don't. But Gupta says, uh, you know, it's, again, it's like of the 2.9 billion vaccinated people in the world, you know, it, it's the benefits outweigh the risks. So you just gotta, you know, there hasn't been a, a an outbreak of infertility, um, but there are general general concerns, you know, the blood clotting. The blood clotting, the blood clotting came from, I think, well, it did come from Johnson Johnson, which they, I thought they pulled, and then they, now it's back on the market. It was off to me. I'm like, no, I'm good. But the blood clotting kind of was the data showed that it was in postmenopausal women, and but Gupta had this really good, uh, really sad story about like a seventy. He had an AC uh, repairman or somebody come over to his house. His AC went out. And it was a 70-year-old, 70-something-year-old guy, still huffing it, still, still, you know, busting his ass. And, he, and Sanjay Gupta, I mean, I think, I, I would say four out of eight, 
four out of seven, four out of eight people probably recognize this guy or know kind of roughly who he is. And so he, he didn't know if this guy, you know, knew him or not. But and before he left, he said, hey, can I ask you a question? So he obviously did know him. He, he, he um, recognized me. He said, can I, I, can I ask you a question? Do you, do you think I should, should get vaccinated? And Gupta said, yeah, I, well, you know, data just shows like by and large, you know, the data showing it's, it's a sound avenue. And he goes, well, cause the reason I ask is I've got a stint in my heart and I'm worried about the blood clotting. And he goes, well, I understand. I, I get that. I get your concern. And he goes, cause, cause he goes last week, my, uh, he goes last week, my daughter died and she was unvaccinated. I'm like, Whoa, like that's fucking heavy shit, man. So this poor old guy, the 70 year old guy to do it, came out to do a house call for Sanjay Gupta. And he's concerned about, you know, the stint in his heart. And I get that. But even then he's like, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's risk in anything, you know, and, and I guess that's really, I don't know. So, but man, that other guy, the other guy, Alex Berenson, what a fuck, you know, I think it was like, Berenson just fucking gets under my, I don't know, it's the tone in his voice, that peanut buttery fucking like sounds like he's gargling peanut butter and he's whining he's like you need to retweet my book he's like whining about retweeting his book and to rogan because rogan's got you know this huge audience and you know he you know has a lot of influence and i just you know rogan i don't know everyone's got an opinion i'm sure on rogan but the basis for my opinion on rogan is this he's like the johnny carson of our era he gives a big spotlight and showcase to a lot of up-and-coming comedians as well as established comedians but he's also got very thought-provoking guests and uh so i thought it was fascinating that he really had two sides of the coin tuesday night he had the fucking whiner berenson whining about the efficacy which i agree with give it a six to eight month window i don't think i don't think we need a i'm not gonna get a booster you know, I'm going to go, I mean, even Rogan was saying, Hey, the best layout for all this is, uh, if you're in the right demographic, get the, get the vaccine, then, then get infected. You'll be like superhuman. You get double the antibodies. It's like a BOGO. It's cool. So, but they got Goop to saying, just, you know, bite the bullet. I mean, it's kind of a, the same response as far as how we all kind of like brushed off the viruses, like getting the flu. It is like getting the flu. So anyway, I don't know. I didn't want to belabor that point. I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe I was tired of this whining, fucking whiner. Sometimes, you know, sometimes Rogan has these guys on his podcast, man, just like, fuck, I, I stop sometimes, like, I just, I just hit the stop button, but, so this is, I don't know, but that was kind of like the impetus for 
the clip at the beginning of the podcast. This whole coffee is for closers. This this vaccine is not closing. It's not. We're not closing anything anytime soon. Coffee's for closers, man. And the inefficient efficacy of of the vaccine itself is not close. It's not closing anybody. It's not close. We're never going to be rid of it. And I, quite honestly, I don't, I really don't even want to, it's just such an exhausted topic. So I'm going to, sw- what I also wanted to kind of segue, I wanted to segue out of that clip, that four or five little minute blurb that opened the podcast with, uh, I, <laughs> I kind of ended up sabotaging my own self and going down a rabbit hole. I didn't want to go with that, but cause originally I wanted to talk about of all people, John C. Riley. <laughs> I don't know. But why? What's the connection? I'll tell you what the connection is. Because David, David Mamet, the writer of Glen Gary Glen Roth, who is a... Uh, I, I think he's been... Uh, well, he's a really good writer. Okay. And if... I don't know. If you read up on him, you'll see it's kind of a... You'll understand why there's kind of a misogynistic take on... No, maybe that's not the right word. Uh, too much bravado in his in his in his in his plays. He's more of a theater writer, but he's also like a he's a director of movies. But I think he's more notorious for his his playwright abilities. Um, but he's from Chicago, which is very has a very very. Uh, it's like fucker walk. It's a fucker walk town, you know. They, they don't mince words. There's no bullshit. Uh, my buddy Lenny from Chicago just gets to the point, man. Just that's get. There's no sugarcoating it, man. But uh, that area, there's a there's a theater out there called the Steppenwolf Theater. Uh, has a very very big alumni uh there's something about chicago like it's got second city it is the second city they call it the second city uh but they've got the second city improvisational group out there which is uh basically where like they still pull uh, originally they pulled from second city to populate the original cast of saturday night live all these great kind of comedic theater performers uh so like these guys like uh, I think there's a Canadian Second City as well. So you got guys like Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Eugene Levy, uh, Joe Flaherty, Bill Murray, John Belushi. I mean, everybody came from Second City, and it just but and these guys at second, the first cast of Saturday Night Live, dude, these guys were brawlers. You know, these guys had car engine parts on their desk. You know, when they were writing, when they were writing sketches, these guys were brawlers. They were, the, they were called the bully boys, but Chicago has this real, yeah, like I say, it's kind of a very machismo, bravado, pound on your chest type city, right? And Steppenwolf Theater has this great set of alumni, uh, John Malkovich, Gary Sinise, but one of them was John C. Riley, 
And I have to say, every time I see this guy, I'm blown away by the immense amount of talent and diversity that this guy, this fucking guy, portrays. But he did, he started in theater as well. Um, at the Steppenwolf, he was in, he's an alumni of Steppenwolf, I believe. He was, he was in the theater group. But then, I'm so I'm, I decided I'm going to go down on a, a little deep dive on Homeboy here. And because, you know, you know him from like uh, Step Brothers, you know, the fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's John C. Riley, but this guy has been around doing it and humping it for a long fucking time. He was, he's been, he's kind of like a Chicago version of Kevin Bacon almost. He's He's been in a little bit of everything. He knows a little bit of everybody. He was in Casualties of War, Brian De Palma. He's in Days of Thunder. That was uh, Tony Scott. Days of Thunder, that was 1990. That's 40 30 years ago, 40, I don't know, 1990, was that 10 years ago? <laughs> uh, but the diversity, Tony Scott, to go from Brian to Palma to Tony Scott to what's eating, he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, the Lassie Hallster movie, the, the you know, the great uh, Swedish director. Um, and then he kind of came into his own with all those Paul Thomas Anderson movies, like the, uh, not only his debut, The Hard Eight, which was... That's a very good movie. But then Boogie Nights. And then Magnolia, which is... Uh, I don't know, Magnolia's a tough one, man. That's a tough one to really choke down. That's a long, dark, self-indulgent movie. But then he's in Terrence Malick's Thin Red Line. Classic. Then he goes on to do music, musical movies. Chicago, 2002. Uh, Gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese, The Aviator, Martin Scorsese. He's he could be that guy that just takes everything but can do everything. I I, I really like those types of those guys. To me, it's like it is like a Kevin Bacon thing. The guy is gonna act in whatever. He's gonna take every job. Take every job. The apples are on the tree, man. Start picking. But he the way he can do. Um, kind of a what's the right like dark comedy or black comedy I would have to because his Boogie Nights role his Boogie Nights I would say would be very uh, subdued comedy kind of uh, I that was a very funny role even though it wasn't a comedy but then he steps into outright just straight up just laugh out loud shit. Step Brothers, Talladega Nights. <clears throat> um, and then just this overall cross appeal with things like um, the Dewey Cox story. And then there's some, I, I can't remember the name of the movie my lady likes it. Uh, it's called, uh, some movie plays like a, uh, fuck, what, he play? it's like a, it's kind of like a, he plays like a, like a carnival, a carnival performer, but it's like a sinister carnival performer. And it's a, the kid, he plays like the, he runs this, strange dark carnival and the kid the kid in the in the 
car uh, in the movie becomes like a vampire or something. I don't know, but it's even that one was good. I can't. I wish I could remember the name of that one. But the guy just got a range like is unbelievable. Then he goes back to the theater to do True West in two thousand. Uh, which is that's Sam Shepard. The range on this guy, the ring, it's phenomenal. But then, then he goes on to do uh, what the hell? The really good, the funny shit, the real out there shit. I gotta give it up for this guy. He's on that Tim and Eric awesome show, and he plays Dr. Steve Brule. Check it out with Dr. Steve Brule. Like it's so bizarre. It's. I, it's such an about face, like it's such a diversity that, that uh, man, this guy is so overlooked. Um, and I'll tell you this, he's not a good looking guy. He's balding. He's got curly kind of a Jufro thing going on. Um, his face is kind of. He's got a big old fucking. He's got a big old fucking forehead. Like, it's got one of those foreheads where it's like, it's got like a cliff hanger, like cliff thing hanging up over the, over his, over his eyes. It's kind of like, it's, it's got a ledge. His eyebrows are like on a ledge. This big rolling ledge that overlooks his round big nose. And he's not a good looking guy. And, uh, he's kind of out of shape. <laughs> he's kind of weirdly tall. Like, it's the kind, you know, he's kind of like, he's probably one of those guys you look at when he comes in and you go like, oh, shit. But, dude, is fucking, if anybody made something from nothing, it's this guy. I gotta give it, I, I really, I don't know what, I don't know what inspired me to yap about this guy, but John C. Riley's the man, and I, I just, I love guys like that. I fucking love guys like that. So, that being said, coffee is for clothes, okay? And uh, the vaccine ain't closing anybody. It's, um, we're going into the colder months, like I said. It's finally, finally getting cold. It's going to get darker. Um... It's going to make it more, uh, we're going to be more susceptible. We're going to be more, we're going to be more vulnerable. We got, you know, it was in, uh, so I'm going to switch back to the, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to switch right back to the, the distrust I think now is what's, uh, really going to have to be contended, contended with going into the winter, the autumn and winter as the days get colder and darker and shorter. Um, we're going to have to come to terms with, first of all, this fucking guy, Fauci. There was a very, again, this guy, Alex Berenson, made this interesting point. He made this really good summary of how back during the HIV epidemic, how there was a huge, huge panic regarding the HIV panic as it, as it was first introduced to us. But... Through science, they really got a hold of it, and Fauci was one of the main coordinators from, based on what this guy was saying, what him and Rogan were saying, as far as um, controlling it, and then developing the medication, 
so that you can now eradicate it or live with it or not die. It's not a death sentence anymore. And so Fauci being the overseer of, uh, you know, the, the, the main protagonist for the CDC in regards to the HIV epidemic kind of got, kind of got excited in terms of like, uh, the Nobel prize. I think he saw himself as a candidate for maybe the Nobel prize in science. So I think that kind of energy is what came to what is what he brought to this this epidemic now or this pandemic now that we have so that's what see Fauci's got his fingers in a lot of pies he's got that gain of function research thing in the Wuhan lab that he's not going to admit to and he's kind of painted himself into a corner on that one but this is the uh, I think this is the vaccine that he thought was going to kind of galvanize his uh, stature in the Nobel community, the Nobel Prize community, because that's what, that's a very competitive thing, man, you know, these scientists are fucking squaring off like street, street fighters, some prison rule shit going on, so, so that's his, that's his deal with the, and it's still, it shouldn't be, I, because it, because it only has a shelf life over what looks to be six to eight months, I wouldn't even call it a vaccine, but that's his role in it. And I'll tell you, when I got it, I got rid of my stutter, and all of a sudden I can play the piano now, okay? So I'll say that for the vaccine. Didn't used to be able to play the piano. And, uh, but it's interesting times that we live in. Very interesting time. We got we've got dozens and dozens of uh, shipping containers sitting off the coast of Long Beach that ferry boats are weaving in and out of on their way to Catalina, and we're trying to eradicate a pandemic. And I'm just trying to keep my gut my gut biome going and be healthy. And that's all we can do is try the best we can. Just try, you know. We're all trying to do the best we can, man. But listen to both sides of the argument. Again, I kind of maybe that's kind of a recurrent, rampant kind of played out theme. But listen to both sides. Um, you'd want to think that the momentum of the situation is going to carry us to. We're never going to fully get rid of this virus, but we can contain it. Um. So, there you go. That's about it for today, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, boys and girls. Um, that was the 69th episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will, I will bid you adieu. And I hope you guys have a great day. And I love you all. And I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, baby.